Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our flagship podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Week three of four of spring games is finally in the books here. This was probably, uh, in terms of sheer quantity, the biggest week. So we have a lot to get to tonight. A couple of big names in the portal. Um, a couple of big time spring performances, some position battles, some disappointments maybe. We'll hit all those tonight. What do you think, Colin? Let's do it. Any? Uh, did you watch any of the games this weekend, like live or? I did. I watched the entire uh, Penn State one live. Of course. Yes. Of course. Mm-hmm. I turned that one off as soon as they said it wasn't an actual game, and I don't know why, like how they decided they were going to structure that practice, but it was like it was very jarring. It was random, like two like inside the 10 yard line possessions that they rotated two different units through real quick. And then they just started kicking field goals. I was like, (laughs) what? They did. Yeah, they did. They broke it down as eight segments. They did offense versus defense. Then they did second team offense versus defense um, on two drives. And the first one, they just happened to start inside the 10 in the red zone. But Uh, And then after that, they did two special teams plays. Yeah, I was like, this is crap. Why would I ever watch this? Why would you not put that at the end? Um, Yeah. So I didn't watch that one. I intended to, and I have it recorded. I recorded like nine of them. Um, I'll never never go back and watch it. I don't think there's any real takeaways from that game anyway. Uh, There's a couple. We'll get there. We'll get there. We have them them as quick hitters. We're not even going to devote full segments to Penn State. Well, we're going to talk about it at some other point in time on this network so never never no, in a bajillion years a couple of ho- fire a <laughs> couple of housekeeping items guys real quick it is freshman draft season if you have not gone ahead and checked out the freshman guide go ahead and do that for anybody that is that fits into one of the following categories you get the guide for free and if you have not received it yet via email please let us know we can go ahead and resend that to you if you had a yearly membership that was grandfathered in on our old year-long membership uh, price tier. You get it. If you are a scholarship member year-long, you get it. And then if you are an NIL year-long member, you get it as well. So if any of those apply to you and you have not yet seen your copy of the Freshman Guide, reach out to us, uh, Campus to Canton on Twitter, at Debbie Dietz, at C2C Decker, in the Discord, however else you want to reach us, go ahead, do that, and we will make sure that it gets over to you because we want you guys to be able to read this thing. Spend a lot of time on it. Uh, for those that that doesn't apply to any of you, but you're interested in it, twenty dollars get you the guide. Um, so go ahead and and take care of that on the site campuscan.com. Two hundred pages. It's well worth it. I think it's like two hundred four, actually. Yeah. Yes, it is um, two hundred four. I was rounding, but yeah. shouldn't round, Colin. I mean, numbers. Two hundred pages, twenty dollars. You're paying like twenty cents a page. Yeah. So go ahead, check it out. Um, Beginner leagues, guys, we have filled our first allotment of them, but do not be afraid. We are going to do more of these probably at the very beginning of June. I need a break from flagging people down and getting email addresses and getting drafts kicked off. So we are taking a break. We put up three. We're going to probably do two or three more once June rolls around. So if you did not get in this round, uh, don't worry we will probably have another spot for you and then lastly guys sharp sports uh s-h-a-r-p-e 
uh, on YouTube. Go check him out. Does a ton of really cool recruiting videos. Uh, dives into you know 2023, 2024, 2025 classes. Uh, he has partnered with us. So go ahead, check out everything he has over on YouTube. Really, really good stuff. Uh, and certainly really good supplemental stuff um, since we at the moment are not doing a ton of diving into the 2025 uh, class on YouTube. So go check out uh, Marcus Sharp and everything that he has going on over at Sharp Sports on YouTube. And if you aren't a subscriber at the site and you want to check him out, he might have a little something, something for you. Little little promo code action, Colin. Maybe maybe quite some, possibly maybe some money off. I don't I don't know. Quite possibly. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. So go ahead and do all that, guys. Um, we're part of the Fantasy Points Media Group. For anybody that does not know. Um, ton of other great podcasts over there, guys. Uh, we've got so many now that we don't even list them all, but go ahead, check them all out. Uh, they're all in one place on at Fantasy Points Live on Twitter. Um, they do a weekly Friday drop that recaps the week in the media group. Uh, all of the episodes from everybody are on there. And they they range from you know injury information to dynasty to redraft to they've got a golf show on there, a show on there now. Um, so if you play like golf DFS and all that kind of stuff. So go ahead, check all those out, guys. Again, the fantasy points media group at fantasy points live on Twitter. Into the news segment, Colin, two names we're going to talk about here, and then we're going to acknowledge just another uh, name or two but that, that don't really require any sort of analysis. The biggest name, I think, though, is Corey Kiner, uh, former LSU running back, entered the portal and almost immediately found his way home to Cincinnati. He was a uh, Ohio uh, Mr. Football, I believe, while he was in high school. Uh, very prolific there, uh, right in Cincinnati's backyard. They regretted not getting him. Uh, when he came out last year, and finally, finally, uh, they finally bring him back home. Kiner last year uh, did see some time with LSU. I mean, I, I don't know if this was necessarily a playtime issue per se. 79 carries, 324 yards, two touchdowns, caught a couple passes as well. Um, he really is kind of built like CEH, so we wondered if maybe, you know, that he would take over the role based on that. But just there's a lot of bodies there. Um, so what do you think about this move back to Cincy Colin? This is a good one for him. This is a great, great move for him. I think, I mean, as far as NFL draft stock goes, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a hit because if you excel at LSU, that just means a little bit more, you know, if you even like a committee back at LSU, you know, like if you're the one a in that committee, you got a better shot at going day two than if you just absolutely tear it up at Cincinnati. I mean, look at Jerome Ford, you know, he had a great year this past year, still probably looking more likely like an early day three guy. And conversely, um, Tyrion Davis price, who was a bum for like three quarters of the year. Yeah. Uh, has gotten a little bit of buzz, probably about the same amount of buzz at Jerome Ford in the NFL yeah. circles. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, from an NFL draft perspective, it's, he's going to have to go to Cincinnati and he's going to have to show out this year, year one. Uh, as a sophomore there. Now, I'm not saying that that's impossible. It's actually, I think he steps in and he's the starter right away. That backfield was pretty weak. I know some people were in on Ryan Montgomery, but I was very much not. Uh, I don't really, I didn't really think he was anything special. I figured since he was going to hit the portal at some point, and I think they got a good one. You know, he, he showed well as a freshman. He's not a guy that I loved uh, coming into LSU. Um, you know, you, you, said you know he's kind of like a ceh type you know i didn't think he was quite the pass catcher ceh was but um you know and they didn't use him that way and i don't think since he will use him too much as a pass catcher but strictly between the tackles i think he's a good one 
Well, they don't really use the running back position too heavily as a receiver. Uh, for four was a bit of an enigma there with that at 21 catches mm-hmm. last year. Yes. Um, you know, still not. I mean, still was like the ninth leading receiver or something on the team in terms of receptions. Or It wasn't quite that low, but it was it was pretty, pretty darn low. Um, so, yeah, he'll go back there. I mean, they, they don't bring back a ton of other guys, like you said. I mean, McClellan, Montgomery. I don't know that either of them is is a great runner by any stretch. There's certainly nice depth pieces at a school like Cincy. Uh, you do wonder if it is even more run heavy this year than it kind of has been the past couple of years with Desmond Ritter leaving. Uh, it looks like we talked about this last week. Um, Evan Prater probably has that job now. He came out with the ones and played pretty well in their spring game. Obviously, lots of practice time left there, but um, maybe this is a more run heavy offense. So maybe he gets some touches regardless. Um I'm skeptical that he's a full-time starter this year. I don't know. Coming in so late, since he generally hasn't hasn't brought guys in like that and, and kind of just plugged and played, they really kind of relied on development. But they also really wanted him last year and, and with the starter leaving and no clear uh, heir apparent there. Maybe that helps him. I I, I don't know. I, I'm, I like the move for him. I think I'm slightly lower than everybody else who just assumes that this is uh, plug Corey Kiner in and give me my 1300 yards rushing and, you know, 15 touchdowns overall. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think that that is what we're going to look at. I think you're probably looking at more of like a one a to a one B, you know, Ryan Montgomery probably starts the year, you know, leading the committee. And then I think Corey Kiner will take him over, probably take him over relatively early in the year, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, I think you're probably more looking at, 800 yards and, you know, seven touchdowns. I think that's probably more like where you're looking at for him. And then, you know, a handful of catches. Um, so, I, I, but I think he, if he wants to keep some semblance of hope for a day two draft stock, I do think he has to come in and just put up 1300 yards and 15 touchdowns in year one, and then do it again in year two, just being in a chief five team interestingly their schedule next year falls a little easier than it did this year and i think that was why we kind of liked them and, and you especially as dark horse uh, playoff candidates because you know they got they got notre dame they got some of these other big games they have arkansas this year on their schedule that's their opener um and they get indiana out of schedule as well but the, uh, out of conference as well but then they don't play houston at all in the regular season this year they avoid oh. houston they do get smu but it's a new coaching staff. It's a new coaching staff. So, I mean, it's, it, it's a relatively easy schedule outside of that. I mean, Navy, Temple, Tulane, East Carolina, UCF, USF, Tulsa can give teams fits, Miami of Ohio, and Kennesaw State. So it's well, not – it's not a. I mean, that, there, there are a lot of opportunities there for them to be up and running the ball is kind of what I'm, I'm getting at mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe some, uh, some more high-scoring, aired-out type affairs. I know you mentioned Tulsa. They uh, lost their defensive coordinator. He went to TCU. So, and I know the defense was the strength of their team. So, I'll, I, I could see Tulsa taking a step back this year too. So, I'm not overly concerned about that. I mean, it seems like you know Arkansas, the big one to circle. See how that game turns out, um, and then maybe SMU again, depending on how Rhett Lashley has that team looking. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of uh, uncertainty there uh, uh, with SMU and how everything's going to look there. Um, so, yeah, it's Corey Kiner to Cincy. The other bigger, more intriguing name that's in the the, the portal, and obviously there's there's just hordes of people entering the portal here. The deadline to enter is May 1st, I believe, uh, if yeah. you want to play this year. And um, 
with all the spring games ending, like I think there's there's uh, teams are kind of figuring out what their death chart looks like. But the other big name that entered here is Jalen Robinson, uh, wide receiver uh, from UCF. He got injured last year, didn't really play a ton, um, but uh, originally Oklahoma a couple years ago uh, transferred over to UCF. Uh, followed uh, Hypel over there to kind of get that that offense going. And in 2020, 55 catches, 979 yards, six touchdowns. Kind of the deep uh, a threat there. Uh, pretty explosive guy. Looking for a new home. Tennessee seems like maybe an obvious answer, uh, obviously, with his former head coach there. Um, I- I've heard some other places tossed about a little bit. Where do you think is a good spot for, for Robinson here, Colin? I mean, I think Tennessee is probably the most likely spot, given that connection to Heupel. Um, And their wide receiver room is, it has some guys, I mean, so they have Tillman, you know, we expect him to be the one. Um, And then after that, they have some guys who are, have flashed at times, like Jalen Hyatt, um, you know, some guys like that. But it's not like a settled room. They have some intriguing freshmen for sure, but are they going to be ready to contribute right away? Guys like Caleb Webb, um, Chaz Nimrod apparently has been drawn a little bit of buzz um, over there. So you know, and then we're we're stashing <laughs> Chaz Nimrod everywhere. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, and then Squir- um, Squirrel White is that what they call him? Yeah, Marquarius. Yeah, Marquarius. Yeah. So they have a couple guys there that are intriguing, but it's not a veteran heavy room. So they could use probably use a presence like Jalen Robinson. So I think that's probably where like the odds on betting favorite would be for him to go. Um, but I don't really have a strong feeling for where he would go other than that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't either. Um, it'll, it, it'd definitely be interesting to see where he ends up. I mean, this will be his third team um he does add something like a, a deep threat and um like you said for as much as we like some of like tennessee has been looking for another guy mm-hmm. they try to bring in brew mccoy they try to bring in isaiah and or um so uh, he's a little bit of a different player than those guys but they're obviously looking for somebody else it's a lot of inexperience on that squad so could he be that i don't know I, it's a spot that makes sense to me i think a spot where he would be pretty he would look pretty solid um yeah production standpoint just some other spots that need wide receiver talent really badly but i'm not you know there's no smoke here anything like that miami needs a wide receiver really really bad uh, if their spring game was any indication we'll talk about usc here in a few minutes if their spring game was any indication they might need uh, a couple extra bodies uh it's funny because i feel like oklahoma could probably use depth but i'm really i'm really doubting he goes back there um so just just the the typical names off the top of my head that, that sound like they might need a guy and maybe he could fill uh some sort of a role one of those places who knows yeah yeah i mean like you said miami definitely needs a spot it wouldn't be a far move for him from ucf to to uh coral gables there so yeah that would be an intriguing one yeah stay and state there um a couple other names that have entered the portal guys and, and just to keep an eye on um uh carlos del rio wilson uh backup backup at florida former four-star kid uh, has entered no indication as to where he will end up yet um, if he goes somewhere super deep, maybe we're interested in that. Maybe we're not. All right, guys, as promised, spring roundup going to be a large, large piece of this show. Um, let's start with Texas. Might as well. Everything's bigger in Texas, including the quarterback battle. We've had a lot of fun amongst ourselves. 
uh, many of the personalities here at Campus DeCanton discussing the Ewers card battle. Um, I don't think it's quite over yet, at least the discussion, but I do think the battle itself is over. Um, who do you think won this round? Who drew Who drew first blood here, Colin? Um, probably card, I think, just because Ewers made some mistakes. It was the wrong answer. Just throwing that out there. Okay. Well, because Ewers made some mistakes and Ewers didn't come out and blow everybody away. I mean, he had that really, really nice bomb um, to Nayor. But I think Card is probably going to enter fall with the buzz still that he could start. Um, and like I've, I've said, you know, once or twice before, it really would not surprise me if Card starts the season, gets to the Alabama game in week two, and then, you know, just looks absolutely terrible. They get demolished by Bama, and then that's when they make that big switch. That just seems like a very natural spot to me. But Ewers is way more talented than Card, and I think that he could and should be the starter right off the bat because Card did in the game, you know, his his pocket presence was just, was just not there. He just looks lost at times. Um, and I think as one of the biggest card guys last year, um, this is one of those situations where you just kind of have to cut your loss and, and move on and, and, you know, hand up. It didn't work out the way I thought it was going to. I didn't, he didn't develop the way I thought he was going to. So people have been saying lately, Colin, that we don't, we haven't been disagreeing enough lately. So thank you for giving me this prime opportunity to tell you how wrong you are. I just don't get to do this enough anymore. Um, Hudson card will never start another game at Texas ever, 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 unless, um, Quinn Ewers hit by a bus tomorrow. And here's why. Quinn Ewers, or so this game was literally the perfect microcosm of, of Hudson Card's career thus far at Texas. And first off, I don't think they're technically calling it a spring game. It, it was more, they, they had some different situational stuff in there thrown in. Uh, as far as I've seen, there is no like official um, like stat uh, box score like there was last year because they just didn't kind of like Penn State they did not have the offensive linemen uh, healthy to run a full um, you know scrimmage so um, not a lot of like stats out there to go back there and sit down on but I watched this whole game as we talked about in the discord I paid a stupid amount of money to up to re to rebring back my sling account just and then had to upgrade the sling account <laughs> Just to watch this stupid game because we don't get the Longhorn, we don't get Longhorn Network in PA for whatever stupid reason. ESPN Plus, you are an utter failure of a platform. The fact that you advertise getting all this stuff on you and then you won't give me the Longhorn yeah, Network. They're, yeah, they're awful. And your only piece of advice on your website is to call your cable provider and tell them that you want the Longhorn Network. I don't care about the Longhorn Network. I want to watch one game. I want to watch one game. So first off, there, there's my first talking point on this game. Second. What we saw last year with this Texas offense was basically teams teams knew, but they really kind of came into the game neutral and then would adjust. Where they knew if they if if they could keep the entire game in front of them, which sounds really stupid and really basic, but really if they could just keep the game in front of them, Hudson Card and Casey Thompson could not consistently beat them deep, and they could not consistently beat them uh, anything any like to the boundary in the intermediate or deep game. So basically, all you, that's all you had. You played off coverage. You just kept your guy in front of you. You didn't let him beat you deep. And guess what? They weren't going to do anything. You could shut down the run. You could shut down the quick hitting passing game. You could do all of that because Hudson Card, A, can't do it. And B, they didn't 
respect Hudson Card enough to do it. So that was the big issue. And lo and behold, we went to this game. And guess what? Hudson Card looks a little more polished, but basically didn't complete anything like beyond 12 to 15 yards past the line of scrimmage and nothing to the boundary beyond that. If he was hitting anything intermediate, it was smack in the middle of the field. It was literally his passing chart from last year all over again. He hasn't developed at all as a passer. And I can tell you why Quinn Ewers is going to uh, take this job because he unlocks that part of the offense. He had one or two really nice boundary passes that were dropped by his receiver. He had the bomb to Isaiah Naor, who, by the way, we're going to talk about in a minute, is going to put up like 5,000 yards this year. And <laughs> he showed kind of the creativity as a passer that Hudson Card does not have on that second touchdown to Xavier Worthy. For anybody that didn't watch the game, I'll try to describe it. They were about 30-ish yards away from the end zone, um, almost smack in the middle of the field. Hudson, uh, uh, Quinn Ewers, quick three-step drop, waits for a second. Linebacker in the middle of the field jumps, and all he does is kind of just slings it around the line, the jumping linebacker, right to an in-breaking Xavier Worthy. No safety over the top, and he's gone. And that's exactly what Quinn Ewers can do for an offense that Hudson Card can't. If your goal is to win six games next year, guaranteed, Hudson Card is your guy because he's going to win the games that he should win, and that's exactly it. If you want to have the possibility of winning 9, 10, or 11 games, you're going to start Quinn Ewers because he is the only person that can win you the games that are you know 50-50 or maybe you're slightly an underdog in. So there is a 0% chance that Hudson Card takes this job. Sark knows this, and we saw the glimpses why even if Quinn Ewers on the aggregate had a slightly more quote unquote disappointing day from a completion percentage standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying about yours unlocking a different part of the offense that card just doesn't. Um, I, I think that that's very accurate. I think the yours is a better quarterback and a better prospect. Um, but I do think that entering the fall, Hudson card is still going to be probably leading this battle. He's going to be the QB one a to yours is one B. He's not even leading it now. I mean, he started. They both just went out with the ones. Right. Cause they did the weird format, yeah, but they... I mean, <laughs> card was still card was still the first quarterback out there. You know, Drake May wasn't the first quarterback out for UNC today, right? Um, I mean, that was a that was a good battle, though. Everybody's uh, everybody looks good in that one. Okay, just saying. It's a different battle. Here. Look, you like lunatics, said, you lunatics that can't see this coming. I, I've like I said, I've said it's like ten percent that card starts the season here. I'm not saying zero though, and. If Carr does start the season, I like I said, I think they would give him until the Bama game where he's going to get demolished. Do you think why I especially think under that logic that he doesn't touch that first game? Because, because they if you're have a shot in the Bama game, if your second game is Bama, you're going to want to get the guy that's actually has the 1% chance to compete with Alabama in the game so that he can, you know, get some more live reps in a game. So two schools of thought. 
there is the logic, the, the actual logic as Alabama, to why you would start. Quickly. Alabama has the best pass rushing duo in the country this coming year. Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. Will Anderson's probably going to be the number one pick in the draft. Texas has O-line issues. They might get Quinn Ewers murdered. They might. I'm just saying. They might, but I don't think that's going to be a consideration as to why you sit him there. Such because Hudson Card got sacked a bunch more times than Quinn Ewers this weekend including a yeah. really bad mm-hmm. intentional grounding penalty mm-hmm. in a spring game and not yeah. even a spring game. Just throwing it. I don't, I don't just disagree with that. I'm just saying Will Anderson might murder yours. He very well might. Or he's, Dallas he's Turner. Al- he, they're already licking their chops. They're already yeah. licking their chops. Um, beyond the quarterback serve up card is a juicy little, juicy little uh, steak there. <laughs> so you and... just want the, that's <laughs> horrible. That's horrible. Um, Running back battle, Bijan didn't play. Jonathan Brooks looked good. Um, uh, Blue had a couple of nice runs. Uh, Roshan Johnson had a nice run. It's a very deep running back room. I don't know what else we really want to say about that. I don't know. Colin Robinson um, had some nice catches too, didn't he? Yeah, I don't I don't know what we really want to glean from this game. It's the Bijan show. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Uh, wide receiver, though, as I said earlier, Isaiah Nayor caught the first touchdown pass from Quinn Ewers on the day. A, a An absolute bomb. 60 yards in the air, and Quinn made it look like he wasn't really trying. Um, and he, I, he was targeted more on the day uh, from yours than Worthy was. Worthy also had a drop at one point. Um, I'm not saying Nayor is a better player, and I'm saying he's going to outscore Xavier Worthy this year. But as someone who was hesitant to buy into Nayor with all the other guys they have there, are, I think I've come around to the point where I just think he's – it might be a 1A, 1B scenario from a, a, a fantasy perspective this year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, he brings a different uh, skill set to the room than Worthy does. I mean, Worthy is – we know what Worthy is at this point. He's going to take the top off of the defense there. He's, he's very talented. He had a really nice, really nice freshman year. Um, a lot of people are hyping him up. People just – you know, kind of caught on to Nayor a little bit more as he went to, well, originally thought he was going to go to Tennessee and then went to Texas. Um, so, you know, they may not necessarily pay that much attention to what he did at Wyoming, but he was very productive at Wyoming, um, you know, in, in what was a pretty bad passing offense. Um, you know, he was, he played well. Uh, and, he had what was a 50% weighted dominator rating uh, on the year. Um, and he's a big time, you know, big was big wide receiver is six, three two ten, So he's got the size there too. You know, I, I think that he could turn into an NFL prospect here um, in at this year. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm on, I'm on the New York train. They passed for like 2,100 yards last year at Wyoming. And he had like 900 of them. Like, yeah, just, just a stupid amount. And he had 12 touchdowns. And I believe their quarterbacks together through 15. Yeah. So, yeah. That's uh, yeah. He, he was uh, the passing offense uh, at Wyoming last year. I will say. Yards um, per reception, too. And this is not to take a shot at anybody who may or may not be affiliated with Campus to Canton. Um, but I think. What we saw in this game is that even if Troy O'Meary comes back 100% ready to rock and roll, um, he has lost his spot probably permanently to Isaiah Nayor, at least for this year. 
Yeah. 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 I would, I would tend to lean that direction as well. Yeah. So, um, that's all the important stuff from Texas. Um, Longhorn network sucks. USC. (laughs) Um, this game, I watched about two thirds of it. Um, I'll tell you why I kind of lost interest in it after a while here. Um, not because the, like Caleb Williams was really, really good in the day. We'll start off with him. Uh, I had a really nice day was the unquestioned starter um, led them on touchdown drives. First couple drives, I believe on both of them were capped with a touchdown pass to Mario Williams. who We'll talk about here in a second. Um, I don't know. What, what do we have to note on Caleb Williams? He was good. Uh, is there a bigger discussion <laughs> to be had here besides Caleb Williams was good on the day? Uh, shocker. No, I mean, Caleb Williams looked good last spring in Lincoln Riley's offense as a true freshman. He wasn't even really a true freshman at that point. I mean, you know, he should have been a high school senior at that point. So yeah, he looked good last spring. Not surprised at all that he looks good this spring in the same performance, uh, or in the same offense. So, I mean, I think also, I do think the spring is a situation that uh, is a setting that benefits Caleb Williams too. You know, he doesn't get to show off his improvisational skills quite as much, but you know, he, he's just the type of passer that would excel in like one of those types of settings. So I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. Um, so I thought we talked a little bit about this, I believe on Twitter with, with uh, Nate Marquise, one of our CFF guys, and then in our, um, slack that we just kind of have behind the scenes as well. Uh, Nate has Caleb Williams as his quarterback one overall, I believe right now for CFF purposes. And the reason why it became very apparent on these first two drives, USC's defense is dog water, like just disgustingly, disgustingly bad. They might be one of the worst defenses in all of the P five next year. Uh, it's just embarrassing at every single letter, a level D line stinks. The linebackers are terrible. The corners can't cover worth crap. Um, Blown coverages all over the place. I mean, this defense is just terrible. I'm sure they're probably going to get one or two transfers in. I believe they already have received a transfer or two, um, but it's not going to be enough to fix this defense. I mean, it's so they're going to be in shootouts every game. They, I, I joke, they legit might have to score like 50 to 60 points every single game to have a chance to win. It, they, it was truly just instant separation at the line. The first, the first play of the game, they had Travis Dye out there at running back. And spring games, like, no one really runs for that much because no one's trying to, like, kill anybody. And he just gashed him right up the middle of, like, a 20-yard gain. I was like, okay, this is going to be bad. Um, and, it, I mean, it's just atrocious. It's a, tro- it's a terrible, terrible team defense. Yeah, Miller Moss looked good, you know. They so. made Miller Moss <laughs> – people literally after this game had to take that Miller Moss might be the best backup quarterback in the country. And I'm not going to disparage <laughs> Miller Moss – I don't think he's terrible or anything, but he's definitely not the best backup quarterback in the country. So that should tell you everything you need to know about that defensive performance right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's um, definitely made me think of, you know, what talking about Nate, talking to Nate there definitely made me think like, okay, this defense is really, really bad. He might be QB one for CFF. You know, I don't think that's an outlandish take. I have a team with him and CJ Stroud on it. How much do you think those guys are going to be good for together each week next year? Man, that is that's the type of team that can carry you. Just those that, two quarterbacks. Those are my quarterbacks in the program. Whew. They let I have me, they let me do that. <laughs> they let me do that. 
<laughs> I have uh yeah, I have I have Caleb Williams and Jackson Dart in one that I was rebuilding last year. So I'm pretty yeah. excited about that one. But yeah. it's fun. no it, <laughs> it's no Caleb Williams and uh and CJ Stroud. A fun, fun do. And I believe my backups are like Brandon Armstrong and somebody else. I mean, it's just a it's a great quarterback room. Um you know, it's not a great room, though. The USC wide receiver group. A lot of names that we recognize, but the coaching staff has been very consistent all offseason and basically every report I've read coming out of there that it's basically Mario Williams, wide receiver one this year, and then it's just a bunch of guys. Now, granted, um, Gary Bryant Jr. has been out, and I believe C.J. Williams – well, C.J. Williams didn't play in this game, and he's you know he's been around this spring, but it's you know the Taj Washingtons, the Brendan Rices, the, the Kyle Fords, all these guys that we thought, like, well, maybe somebody has to step up. Kyron Ware Hudson uh, got some time in this one. Uh, Jackson, Michael Jackson, I believe, as well. Um, but the staff doesn't seem to be high on them at all. Um, Williams was the focal point. Um, what – are we expecting here? Is it just going to be like Mario Williams gets like 1500 yards because no one else steps up and then like a bunch of other guys get like 300, 400. What, what are you feeling here, Colin? Yeah. I mean, I think Mario Williams is the going to be the, the wide receiver one in this room. Um, I do still like Gary Bryant jr. You know, I'm not ready to write him off or anything like that, but you know, I do think that they might need somebody else there. You know, I still have some hope for Michael Jackson, the third, you know, he had a nice catch there um, from Caleb Williams in the game. So, you know, maybe he earns a little bit of work there, but the rest of the room, just not particularly inspiring. Um, CJ Williams, like you said, not playing. So maybe he brings something, but he's still a freshman. I think, you know, he'll probably be a limited contributor year one anyway. Uh, would not surprise me if they go out and get somebody, a wide receiver, in the portal here. Even though they brought in, um, they brought in Terrell Bynum, I believe, from uh, Washington. They brought in Brendan Rice, Jerry Rice's kid. And I don't know if it's going to be enough. They might want somebody else. Yeah, it's it's a very uninspiring room. Um, I do still like Gary Bryant. I have dropped him a little bit in my rankings this offseason. Um, Williams has gone up a couple spots. Um and then that's like it. Like I just, I do like CJ Williams, but I think we need to, um, I think there are um, some expectations that he can come in and, and make a name for himself in this muddled group. And I do think that's a possibility, but I think we also need to prepare ourselves for the possibility that because there are so many bodies to sift through that it just doesn't really happen this year. I don't know if he'll be a, a zero unless mm-hmm. he gets injured a year one zero, but um I, I like I, I don't know that I feel good about him taking that spot. Yeah, they have a bunch of guys who are just like they're okay. Like Kyle Ford looked good in this one, but like he can't stay healthy. I had know. a touchdown right from Miller Moss, I believe. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So it was you know they they have some bodies there, um, and it'll like you said it'll make it a little bit more difficult for CJ Williams to climb the depth chart. It's not like they have two guys, three guys who are solidified and then just nobody. And he can like earn some fourth wide receiver snaps. There's just a lot of bodies there. Last piece here, Colin, um, the running back battle, Travis Dye, Austin Jones, Darwin Barlow, whoever else, um, we think is going to contribute there. Travis Dye was out there first, but they rotated very heavily between those three backs and specifically Dye and Jones. I think, Die had seven carries, Jones had six, and Barlow had five or six too. So again, 
it's a spring game. No one's just like pounding the rock 40 times. Um, but I don't think we can take away anything too big here if you're trying to figure out who the starter is going to be going into the year. I think the thing to take away here is do we even want the starter air quote starter? Because I do think it's going to be die Jones. And I think Barlow is going to have a role. You know, he had been, he's a guy that, you know, some of the USC beat writers and stuff were pegging as a guy who could have a bigger role than expected. Um, And I think, you know, he's had the type of spring that, you know, everybody's saying that they think this is going to be like a three headed backfield. And I think that that Brown, I think this anywhere. He's um, going to get a, he's going to get a handful of touches this year. I don't he will. think it's going to be a lot, but I do no. think he gets, you know, 30 to 50 touches on the season. Yeah, he'll get some. He'll probably get more, you know, they'll probably just try to scheme him out in space. Uh then then I don't think they would run him in between the tackles when you have Die Jones and Barlow all ahead of him. I will say if Lincoln Riley's, you know, last year or two or any indication, he does lose his patience quickly for a back if they can't kind of do some of the dirty work. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch um, Brown and see if he can, in fact, do that or not. There's not a lot of evidence uh, to this point that he can. Um, let's move over to LSU, down to Baton Rouge. Um, another big quarterback battle here, Colin. We'll kick off with that one first. Uh, Jaden Daniels brought in out of the transfer portal. Uh, we thought because it happened kind of later here in the spring that that was going to be the guy. That, w- that was Brian Kelly going out and get the guy he wanted. Uh, Miles Brennan returned uh, for his, I believe, sixth year on campus. Uh, definitely the veteran of the group. And then you have five-star Walker Howard there who um, won't see the field at all this year, barring injury. That's no. just how that's going to operate. Um, and that's not an indictment on him. That's just he's not going to touch the field this year. But it was Garrett Nussmeyer that actually ended up kind of catching the eye of, of, of um anyone who really watched this game, he, he probably looked like the more polished guy here. Daniels um, was not very good. He's kind of still learning the playbook. And if you want to give him that excuse, that's fine. Brennan looked meh. That's my, I probably had a, the, the, the couple, pro, the, the, the best throw on the day for sure. And maybe the second and third best as well. Um, he looked pretty solid. I don't know if he t- actually takes the job, but it, I mean, if you're, if we're being honest, like if that staff wants to sit down and be honest with the, the how the day actually went, he had the best day. Yeah, I think he had the best day, but I do think that, you know, they're going to give Daniels a little bit longer of a leash there, especially because they brought in the OC from Cincy and Jaden Daniels just kind of fits a little bit better of what they like in a quarterback than Brennan, who Brennan's not a statue, but he's not mobile. He's not Jaden Daniels. Um, Nussmeyer kind of along the same lines there. So I think Jaden Daniels just kind of fits a little bit better what they're, what they want to do offensively. Um, so I do think he's still going to be the guy who ends up winning the job ultimately, but Nussmeyer looked good enough that I think after this spring, you know, that's a air quote crowded room with Daniels, Brennan, he would be the QB three that he's a five-star QB behind him. I could see him going, leaving, going somewhere else and, and trying to to earn a job. You know, um, TCU is a school that they, Sonny Dykes is talking about, you know, oh, he thinks Max Dugan and Chandler Morris are both good and they don't need to get anybody out of the portal. But actions will speak louder than words if once somebody hits the portal there. But Nussmeyer, I believe, is from Texas, too. So 
I think this offense is probably going to struggle a little bit this year. They don't necessarily have a guy at running back. Emery has reportedly looked um, the best here during the spring, but surprise, surprise, he's banged up again a little bit. Um, Armani Goodwin uh, got the bulk of the hype after the game this past weekend. Uh, second year running back there came in, in the same class as Corey Kiner. Um, I, I, I like Goodwin. I don't love Goodwin. Like if, if LSU is going to be an explosive offense, I would not say that Armani Goodwin is going to be like your lead back in that scenario. The wide receivers, like there's a lot of guys that we think we like, but we're not sure in case on did not play in this one. Uh, he was seen in a boot. Um, so, you know, what does that look like? We'll talk about a little bit of that here in a minute, but I think this offense is going to be really bad this year. So I almost don't care who the quarterback is this year. Unless like I'm in this 28 team or this drafting right now, and I'm just desperate for you know a quarterback at some point, like maybe I care. But this almost feels like if I'm drafting an LSU quarterback, I'm setting myself up for next year, and I'm trying to predict does Nussmeyer or does Walker Howard win that job year two is really what this feels like to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's um, that's the big question there, and honestly, I would lean towards it being Walker Howard. Just he was Brian Kelly's guy, Brian. Howard was, you know, committed to LSU. Then, you know, the whole coaching staff got fired um, and he opened his commitment back up. But the other school that was really pushing for Howard was Notre Dame with Brian Kelly. So Brian Kelly was already on Walker Howard before uh, the the move to LSU before that commitment there. So I think Walker Howard's probably just his guy from this class. And I think Nussmeyer's best bet is, is to move on. I think regardless and i think i'm slightly on the other side of that fence i think if i had to pick a favorite today i'd probably pick garrett nussmeyer um i'm just not a, i'm not a big walker howard guy i i was baffled why he was listed as a five star last year i don't even i like i did i don't even have him as a tier two quarterback in this class uh there's just nothing exciting there at all no i don't think he should have been a five star he's just he's a jack of all trades master of none kind of a guy he's just average at everything yeah. Um, you know, but he he works in a in a quick hitting offense really well. And I don't really think that's gonna be what LSU is gonna run. Like in high school, like he was at his best when he dropped back in rhythm, get the ball out quick, you know, three-step drop. Um, and I don't really think that's what's in um LSU's gonna run. So while he is kind of Brian Kelly's guy, I don't necessarily think he's a great fit for this team. So it wouldn't really surprise me that much if Nussmeyer does win the, that job. And if that's your best trait coming out of high school, you probably shouldn't be a five-star quarterback. So yes. just to, to <laughs> toss that out there. Um, we talked about Armani Goodwin a little bit. Um, are we buying him as a guy in this 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 backfield, especially with with Emery there? With um, they've, they've got a couple other guys there too. Kane. I mean, it's like, yeah, no Kane. Yeah, I forgot about him. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying him yet. But I mean, Kane. It's so weird with COVID. I'm not exactly sure. I think Kane is out of eligibility, or if he is, he has one year left. John Emery has in, one year. John Emery's kind of in that same boat. So Armani Goodwin might be the guy after those guys. Um, but at the same time, they could just easily bring in somebody else because Louisiana turns out pretty solid running backs, you know, year in and year out. So I'm still hesitant on Goodwin. Yeah, I, I am as well. I don't think this is a uh, bump him majorly up in your rankings. Obviously, he probably got a little bit of a boost with Corey Kiner leaving, just uh, one less guy to fight with there. But we also don't know what LSU is going to bring in um, next year. So we shall see there. Um, the last point I just want to uh, toss out real quick, Colin. Um, 
Jack Beck, a guy I, I think Alfred really was the first guy ta- to talk about him last year as um, he got some hype. Like they were saying, this kid's we're going to bulk him to be to be a tight end. He's like 6'2", like 200-ish. The bulking's never really happened, but he nominally played tight end last year, and his tight end eligibility made him very valuable because he was fairly—he was not protected by wide receiver standards, but by tight end standards, he was. We said this can't possibly happen again this year, and they can't continue to get away with listing him at tight end on fan tracks. And lo and behold, he's still listed as a tight end on fan tracks, and he caught two touchdowns in this game. So. Do we need to stop saying like the, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know what the Debbie value is here. Like this guy, he cannot win on the boundary. Like he, he's basically lining up in line. He's beating up on, on linebackers or smaller corners and, and doing his thing. It, not the athlete to do that in the NFL, but do we have to start saying that for the next couple of years, assuming he maintains his tight end eligibility, like this is a guy that you probably want to roster on C2C rosters. If he can maintain his eligibility, yeah, absolutely. I think he's a guy that you would want to roster. So you said he was productive for tight end standards last year. He caught 43 passes, 489 yards, three touchdowns um, through seven. Uh, he started in seven games. So, you know, by tight end standards, yeah, he's pretty productive. Um, but he's listed as a wide receiver on LSU's website. Um, you know, he is he's. Number 80, he's basically a wide receiver. I, but, I mean, as long as he has the tight end eligibility on Fantrax, I'm interested. It's just, it's a gamble of whether he's going to keep that. Fantrax's lack of consistency on this, and this is not necessarily a shot at Fantrax, it just blows my mind how, like, Eric Gilbert, Georgia, their coach comes out and says, we think we're going to use Eric Gilbert as a wide receiver, and magically, he loses his tight end eligibility. And then you've got guys like Jack Beck who are a tight end in no range of whatever, and they, they maintain that eligibility. And or um, who was that linebacker from North Carolina a few years ago uh, who came into school as a quarterback and then shifted to linebacker? You don't know uh, who I'm talking about, though? Yes, Surratt. Yes, yes. He literally came in as a freshman and immediately changed position, basically. As a senior, he still had quarterback eligibility <laughs> on fan tracks. I plugged him in for a game because I had a ton of injuries uh, at quarterback and slash buys, and it was an IDP league, and I had him sitting on the bench. So, I mean, just th- there's selectivity in terms of enforcing some of these things are really annoying. And, fa- and just to put this out there, if you're a commissioner and you want to do this for whatever reason, you can change a player's eligibility on there. Commissioners had to do it last year for Jordan Hornbeek, who for some unknown <laughs> reason was listed as a defensive lineman for the whole year, um, even though he's not even close to that. Um, so we'll hop off my soapbox again there. The last game we're going to kind of get into a little deeper here, Colin, is the Ole Miss game. And then we have like six or seven games. We're going to kind of rapid fire. The big news from this one, two big news and the pieces of news, and they're, they're fairly equivalent. The first one we'll go with is the quarterback battle. Again, quarterback battles all over the place this this offseason. Jackson Dart transferred in from USC, second-year quarterback, uh, left there after Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley arrived. Um, And Luke Altmaier, the backup last year, came in uh, in the bowl game after Matt Corral went down with the ankle injury uh, and looked okay in that game through a couple picks, but also had some some nice plays in that one as well. Um, Altmaier, probably the better quarterback on the day, although Dart settled in in the second half and, and played decently. Uh, we still think this is probably Jackson Dart's job, but let's not overreact to this. 
Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, if you just box score scout it, yes, Jackson Dart, 11 for 30, 166 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Um, but he definitely settled in at the end. I mean, he threw threw two touchdown passes in the, the fourth quarter of this one. Um, so he took a little bit of time, but he settled in then. Uh, I think one of my biggest takeaways from this as far as either quarterback is both of these quarterbacks ran the ball like a decent amount. Like Jackson Dart had 16 rush attempts. Luke Altmeyer had five, but he had 77 yards and two touchdowns. Like I don't, I thought that was more of a byproduct of corral last year than a schematic thing by Kiffin. But it seems like maybe he wants to run his quarterbacks a little bit more this year as well. Um, so that's something I'll be interested in keeping an eye on. They ran Corral a lot last year, though. And that's what got him into trouble because Corral got banged up in this, the the stretch run of the season and, and didn't quite have the same juice uh, he had early on in the year. Um, maybe Lane Kiffin has not learned his lesson. We talked about that quite a bit last year. So we shall see. The big, the other peak, big piece of news here, guys, Michael Trigg um seems to be the leading receiver there we've kind of wondered who is going to step up in this wide receiver group and it sounds like maybe it's tight end michael trigg a guy who transferred in with jackson dart they were both first year guys last year at usc um and and they were said to be a package deal on the portal they they ended up being a package deal trigg uh monster day several touchdowns just was a beast um i mean sky's the limit he's still a little thin but like uh, for college at least he's gonna be really 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 good and he's a great athlete yeah i mean we we talked about a little while ago um we were talking about some tight ends and stuff um i had moved him up to my tight end three uh, and he's you know i'm feeling a lot better about that right now it's seven catches 89 yards for three touchdowns and a two-point conversion in there you know he was just a monster in the red zone. He has a basketball background. You're seeing that come into play in the red zone. And more importantly, Ole Miss doesn't really have any other receiving options in this one. Um, JJ Henry, five for 85 in this one. Jordan Watkins, 453. Jordan Watkins uh, transfer from Louisville. It's probably the one that intrigues me the most for the wide receiver room, but this is far from a settled wide receiver room here. So it really wouldn't surprise me if Trigg leads a team in receiving touchdowns, maybe even receptions. Um, but I think for CFF purposes, Trigg is looking like a tight end that you can count on. And then he also has the athletic profile uh, where, yeah, I think he's a Debbie asset at tight end here. So Michael Trigg feeling good. The only problem with Trigg again, you know, is I, I think his size is a little limiting. He's listed at 6'3", 240, which means he's probably not 6'3", and he's probably not 240. <laughs> Although I would have guessed, if you made me say that one of those is probably more correct, it's probably the height. Um, yeah. But like, he's not a big guy. Like, Are we looking at another Evan Ingram, who has value, and obviously Ingram um, has been fine in the NFL. He just never ended up being the... Um, like the crazy mismatch guy that we thought maybe he could develop into. So should we, should we worry about that at all with Trig when we, when we have been worrying about it with, with Brock Bowers, who's basically five pounds, five to seven pounds lighter than he is. Like it's not a big difference. Um, Yeah. I, the weight is definitely more the concern for me. I mean, Trig was listed as six, four coming out. 
Um, and he was a, a three-star shooting guard prospect for, for basketball. Um, so, you know, he's still a guard. So six, four for a guard is, is a little bit small. So probably six, three is the height there. So I believe that one, um, the weight is definitely the concern, you know, what can he bulk up to and still keep that athleticism? Um, but he has some time. So I am not overly concerned about it right now. If we are going into next year and we're talking about him still being concerned about his weight and, you know, he's still listed at 240 and it's like maybe a questionable 240, then maybe I'm a little bit worried about it, but I'm willing to give him another year. It'll be something to watch for sure. And just keep your eye on it um, and see how it develops over the next couple of years. Um, quick hitters here, Colin. We'll start off with Utah. Really just one note from this game. Um, Did stash- we get permission from, from CFF Nate on this one? This is one of his guys. Well, you didn't have to say anything and no one would have known. No. Oh. Uh. Well, that's awkward. I'm not editing this out. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to give him credit. Four-star running back Jalen <laughs> Glover um, looked pretty good on the day. Um, they still have a couple of guys there in the backfield, and I don't think it's necessarily a foregone conclusion that he takes that job after Tavion Thomas leaves. Uh, he's five seven, but he's a very stout five seven. He's like two ten ish. Um, like he he's Maurice Jones Drew esque in that regard. He's a little bowling ball. Um, but yeah, looked solid. Uh, true freshman there. After Thomas leaves, it's it's Makai Bernard. Which, by the way, that was the other thing I learned from this game. So it's it is not Micah Bernard. It is Makai Bernard. Um, Would have never guessed. From the horse's mouth. They had talked to him on the sideline during the game. Um, so it, it'll be Bernard and it'll be it'll be Glover. But I think Glover has as good a chance as anybody. And that staff has generally played the best player regardless of their class, their experience, their size, you know, whatever else. The best guy gets on the field at running back. And I think he very well could be the best guy. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Ricky Parks is still there. Um, I thought he was transferring. I didn't think he was in the portal yet. I thought that was just the rumor. Um, But if he's still there, he's a guy who's intriguing. If he is transferring, um, somebody else to keep an eye on. But if he is still there, I think that throws a minor wrench into things. Um, But yes, Jalen Glover. I think Glover's straight up better than him. We shall see. Um and also, if Cam Rising goes down, that offense is screwed. Um, but that's that's a totally different story. Uh, Oregon, over to Oregon, Colin. Um, do you want to talk about the quarterback situation there? Yeah, I mean, we we can. You know, Bo Nix, um, like we've been saying. You. I, you, yeah, like we've been saying this whole time. Um, Bo Nix, presumptive starter there. He comes in with familiarity in Kenny Dillingham's system. Um, Bo Nix put up his best year in college in Dillingham's system in his freshman year. So... Not necessarily surprised that he's uh, he, he's running with the ones there. Um, the battle for two and three is, is probably a little bit closer than you know some of us may have anticipated. Um, Jay Butterfield <laughs> Good phrasing. Good phrasing. Um, looks like he's uh, he's given Ty Thompson a run for his money for that number two job. So that'll be um, that'll be something to keep an eye on there, and you know maybe best case scenario for all parties involved here, Ty Thompson hits the portal. That would probably be best, would it not? It would um, be great. Thompson Thompson was 12 for 27 on the day, 168 yards. 
Uh, Bo Nix, 8 for 15, 230 yards. Ty Thompson also threw two interceptions, it should be noted. Um, I am, I am, you know, I'm still, I, it would take a lot for, I think, Bo Nix to be considered a legitimate NFL prospect this year. So that's not where I'm going with this. But I do think, like last year, we would run these mock drafts. And the joke was that if you timed out, you got Bo Nix. And I think he could be a useful guy kind of in a deeper league as an end of bench quarterback this year. Uh, depending obviously on on matchup uh, and some other things because they have some some decent weapons there that flash yeah i mean they they had the two um freshman wide receivers from last year that flashed in thornton and franklin thornton was kind of the more of the surprise there franklin was the guy that most people were hyping up but thornton looked good in this one he looked you know better stat line um so they have some options out there and then the tight end um mataveo or however you pronounce that one you know, he's a decent option there too. So they have some, they have some pieces in that passing game. So the one thing that I think if you're a, a big Ray Leak Brown fan should give you, should make you feel like warm and fuzzy inside a little bit after this game is that seven McGee had a very similar profile coming out last year, a true freshman running back who went to Oregon and he's very, very undersized. Um, he's basically converted to wide, wide receiver now. And he had uh, six catches in the day for 116 yards and a touchdown and it looked very dynamic. Um, so that could end up being kind of just the, the quote unquote best case scenario for, for really Brown. So that, that's just a note I wanted to toss out there, but yeah, Thornton uh, three catches, 116 yards, two touchdowns and Franklin had four thirty six and one as well. So um, uh, some other guys uh, tossed, you know, a catch in here, or there uh, running back battle, Colin, Sean dollars, nine carries, no Winningham, 11, uh, I don't believe uh, Cardwell played in this one, right? So he did not. Um, you know, do, I think we're, we still don't really know what this battle is going to look like at the end of the day. Yeah, I think Cardwell is still probably would be my pick for the one to lead that backfield. Um, but Sean Dollars, you know, some some work there, and then you know. Jordan James is also a guy who had been getting a little bit of buzz too. Um, I don't think he played in this one, did he? I don't believe he did. No, no. So probably the two most talented backs on the roster uh, uh, did not play in this one. Um, let's head over to Penn State, Colin. Finally, we'll talk about some Penn State here. Um, three quick points on this one. Drew Aller, pretty disappointing at this point. Anybody that was hoping that he would get in a game this year, uh, I think you're gonna continue to be disappointed for a while i don't think we see him this year uh barring injury he just has looked even a little more raw than i anticipated him looking yeah i would completely agree with that and i didn't really think aller was going to overtake clifford at any point this year unless the season gets lost um then maybe but he sean clifford we know what he is at this point and everybody likes to shit on Sean Clifford and he's not a good quarterback, but he wasn't bad at the beginning of last year up till when he got hurt in that Iowa game, he got hurt in the Iowa game. Then he came in in that Illinois game and he was playing at like 80% and he looked terrible. He didn't really look great the rest of the year, but the staff knows what Sean Clifford is. They know what they're going to get with him. And that's something that Franklin values a lot. So I never really thought Aller was going to overtake him. Now, the big battle was going to be for two between Aller and Christian Veyu. Uh, and I think Christian Veyu has that one. He has a firm hold on that one at this point. 
But Drew Aller just looks like a freshman out there. He's holding the ball too long. He's throwing the ball behind players. He had two picks in this one. One of them was his fault. One of them was just a bad miss. Um, he just did not see the defender. And then the other one uh, bounced off Amari Evans' hands. It should have been caught, uh, and it was not on him. But overall, he did not look particularly good. And I think that battle now is between him and Prabula for the number three. Yeah. Yeah, um, so not not a great day there for him. Um, Kayvon Lee, just real quick, I think we've been pretty harsh critics of his, and I still I don't think he's very good. Uh, is he going to get an annoying amount of touches this year? Yeah, that's going to be an annoying backfield this year. I mean, Kayvon Lee is the veteran in the room, and like I said, Franklin values veterans. Now they have the staff and Franklin have all really been hyping up. Um, both freshmen in Singleton and Katron Allen. And Katron Allen actually had more carries than Singleton in this one. Um, Singleton got some work in the pass game, which was nice to see. Uh, but I think it's going to be a three-headed monster, honestly. You know, um, Kevon Lee, I could see being the one who gets phased out because he's just not effective and just has not been. But to start the season, I do think Lee's probably going to end up getting more touches and it's just going to be an annoying situation for anybody who wants to see Singleton unleashed. Yeah, he's just like, if you need four yards, he gets you four yards. If you need nine yards, he gets you four yards. Just four incredible. is generous. Incredible, incredible. Um, and then you put a note in here about Mitchell Tinsley, but I thought Keandre Lambert-Smith looked just as good as he did. I don't, am, am I imagining things here? No, um, I think they both looked good. Um but the reason I put the note about Tinsley in there is he got some praise after the game from the staff and he is a little bit further ahead of where I was expecting him to be. Um, I thought he would be kind of fighting for the first team there in the spring. Um, Cause Penn state actually has a fairly deep wide receiver room. Um, that's probably one of their, they're not, they don't have a, a guy. I mean, Parker Washington's probably the closest thing that they have to a guy and he didn't play in this one. Um, but Mitchell Tinsley and, and Keandre Lambert Smith both look like they're going to be able to be productive from a football standpoint. I don't know if either of them are going to be anybody that you want from a fantasy perspective, but they had a couple other guys who looked good all spring and kept getting hype. But Tinsley just continuously was running with the ones uh, every single play well not every single play but like he was running with the ones predominantly so i think that's worth noting that he's already on the one with the ones there um kaden saunders had a touchdown in one of the situational drills and amari evans apparently looked really good too so amari they evans looked good but he had some rough drops you can tell he's still working out the receiver game yeah so just the last couple of notes there from freshman uh over to oklahoma state um I guess we should mention Ollie Gordon left this game on his first carry uh, arm in a sling coaching staff said if, if it had been a real game, he would have been fine, which seems like a really far away away from him sitting on the sideline in a sling. But what the hell do I know? Uh, the bigger news there, I think is, is just the receivers talent. Chetron and Jaden Bray both look really, really, really good. Chetron also left this game with injury in a boot, but they said he'll be fine. It's not supposed to be anything long-term. Um, I don't know. I mean, is Oklahoma state going to be an explosive offense? They, the bowl game, they were explosive there. Yeah, the bowl game, they looked really explosive. Um, I think this is going to be probably a more explosive offense than it was last year. You know, we were kind of looking for who's going to step up at wide receiver. 
and Tay Martin sort of did, but I don't think we're going to have that question there this year. I think Bray, we feel good. I feel good with Bray and Shetron. Um, I lean towards Shetron over Bray long-term just because I think he's more talented, but I think they're both good. Uh, yeah, I think Shetron has more upside as well. Um, but Bray is certainly a good player in his own right. I'm not sure there's legitimate NFL upside there. Like day three, I think is where Bray ends up going. Uh, even as like one of his, his biggest, uh, fans last year, uh, Notre Dame. Um, there's nothing to really talk about here. Um, as, uh, Drew Pine looked like crap. Tyler Buchner, uh, injured his foot or ankle or whatever, falling down some stairs, apparently like the day before the game. <laughs> so he didn't play. Um, I think the more interesting note in this one is just the running back battle. Um, it's really funny because I think there's a lot of talented backs, but there might not be a single startable running back on this roster. I think they're all just going to cannibalize each other's touches. I was really high on Logan Diggs coming out of last year. I thought Chris Tyree had a role as a receiving back. Jadarian Price had over 100 yards receiving, I believe, in this one, the true freshman uh, who's been getting some buzz at camp. Um, Audric Estime is there. Like He can be a goal line guy if they need him. I don't know if he's anything beyond that. It's just like four guys. I think they're all going to have a role. I don't know if any of them has such a role that I want to start them week in, week out. So I think spending a premium pick if I'm in a startup or, or trading like significant capital for any of them, I have a hard time doing that at this stage. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that it's just going to be frustrating with all of them there. Uh, you know, Price has looked good enough that I think he's going to earn a role there. Tyree is going to have a role. Diggs is going to have a role. Estime is going to have a role. It's just going to be frustrating. So I wasn't really buying any of them. Diggs was the closest one that I would be buying, but I think I'm kind of moving off of that as well. Um, Yeah, that's really the only note from there. I mean, it was basically unwatchable. Beyond that, Texas Tech, all the quarterbacks look like crap. So, yay, if you're hoping that that situation would be nailed down this spring, you were sorely mistaken, my friend. I've heard people that I really trust and really like and really appreciate their analysis um, basically give a reasons to why any of these guys should actually be the starter next year. So I don't think anybody really knows. I still feel like it's going to be Shuck. But I don't think it's going to be the same slam dunk that Bailey Zappi was last year in this offense, which, you know, if anybody doesn't know, Zach Kitley, the coach there at Texas Tech now was the offensive coordinator at Western Kentucky last year with Bailey Zappi and all those guys. So same offense possibly different result yeah same offense same scheme but i don't think any of these guys are going to run it as effectively as zappy did i do think shuck's going to get that job as well um but baron morton's actually the guy that i like for that scheme the best and he did probably out of the group look the best overall yeah, i don't think any of them looked that great but I think Baron Morton probably looked the best there. I just I don't think he's going to end up winning this one this year. Um, but he's still a guy that I'm keeping an eye on. Um, and then Miles Price looked really good. Had a big game. I think we've we've at you know collectively at C2C been on that train this offseason. I don't think that's stopping anytime soon. He's going to be their number one wide receiver. Um, a a, a Jared Stearns-esque season is not outside the realm of possibility, although, again, slightly tougher conference and the quarterback play possibly subpar. So, you know, pump the brakes a little bit, but that's that's the kind of season I'm kind of expecting out of him. It's a focal point in this offensive receiver. 
Yeah. I mean, Jared Stearns was, I think, the wide receiver one last year. I don't necessarily uh, see that for Miles Price, but a wide receiver one. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Yeah. And I've been snapping him up if I can anywhere this offseason. Last one, guys. And I think this one is really fun. Uh, Colorado State. It's basically Nevada, um, just, you know, one state over. Um, Norvell goes over there, brings basically the whole cast with him. Um, they're, they're all hanging out at Colorado State. We, we really liked Clay Millen last year to be the, the Carson Strong doppelganger. When he finally got the job, he was a true freshman last year. Now in his second year, looked really good in this game. Um, so Clay Millen stock way up. If, if you can go get him, if he's available in your league, I would go do that, uh, sooner rather than later. Um, and then the receivers there, Colin, uh, Dante Wright stock, probably down the spring, Melquan Stovall stock up. Yeah. Melquan Stovall's kind of, um, surprising a little bit here. Um, we all kind of liked Dante Wright. Uh, you know, he looked good when Colorado state was the old Colorado state, um, you know, and he's still around. So we had some hope for him. Tori Horton uh, came over with that whole staff as well. And that whole team. Um, but Melquan Stovall did as well. And Melquan Stovall has been getting a steady drumbeat all spring for being uh, the guy. And, and we have um, somebody in our discord who, uh, is a Colorado State fan. They were at this game, and you know they said it wouldn't surprise them if, if Melquan Stovall was the leader in the reception. So, I, and I also I kind of agree with that. If I remember correctly, and he's, I'll, I'll talk to him. Um, for, I think he's actually a Colorado fan, but he lives closer to CSU. Uh, if I okay. remember correctly. If I remember okay. correctly, I have to double check on that one now, and I'm sure he'll let us know mm-hmm. uh, one way or the other. Yes, uh, but he lives yeah. out there. Yes, he goes. He goes to the games occasionally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was just uh, just one last thing to note here. I was just impressed with how many uh, boots on the ground that were from the uh, C2C community. Guys in our Discord, we had somebody at the Miami of Ohio game, somebody at this one, all over the place. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. Watch out. Once we, we once this legion. ball gets rolling, yes, you, you're not going to slow it down. Uh, I am very big on Stovall as well. Um, I, I'm buying him everywhere. I just I think I just took him in a supplemental draft. I think. I hope I did. If I didn't, someone's going to take him here this next pick. Uh, but I, I think I just did. Uh, so I think there's a lot worse bets you can make later in, in supplemental drafts. I believe I took him in like the eighth or ninth round of a 16-teamer. So to give you an idea of, of where he went. Um, freshman profiles, Colin. Let's do it. Two more tonight. Um, I, Christopher Columbus is making an appearance. Hello, Mr. Columbus. <laughs> oh, yeah. You and your Christopher Columbus of every player that you've ever talked about before. Um, no, this is, this is a guy that you were the first person I heard mention. Um, and that's Andrew Paul running back going to Georgia. Uh, he's a three star and the number 42 running back in the class this year, he was flying pretty far under the radar. I heard you mention him. Uh, and he actually didn't even pick up his first power five offer until October of this year, but he put up almost 3000 total yards, 45 touchdowns this year, started to get some buzz, um, picked up offers from all of the, a lot of the big boys, you know, Clemson, Michigan, Notre Dame all wanted him 
Um, Georgia, obviously, where he ended up going. Washington was in on him. Michigan State. A lot of teams wanted this kid. Uh, and he, it just as a, an aside, he played the rec- the recruiting cycle pretty well. He was really the last, him and, and Citizen were the, really the last two big name RBs to commit. So I think that's kind of where his, uh, his buzz started to come from. And then his hype did get out of hand a little bit. Um, but he's 5'11", 220 pounds. So he's already NFL size. He's clocked at 21.4 miles per hour by our recruiting team here at C2C. Um, so he is a size speed specimen already. Um, but he's, he's a fluid mover. You know, he can shake a defender in tight spaces if he has to. He's not, you know, particularly elusive, but he's not stiff either. Um, and he's an absolute bulldozer. You know, he converts speed to power really well. He takes defenders head on and run them over. You know, you're not bringing this guy down with an arm tackle. He'll bounce off. Guys, um, he's got good patience, keeps his feet moving behind the line of scrimmage, waits for the hole to open, you know, and then he'll hit it and he'll take off. He's got good burst there with that as well. Uh, big question is his work in the receiving game. Um, he's shown well in some limited opportunities. He, you know, this past year he had 14 catches, 208 yards, um, but it's still not a huge sample size. Uh, it's still an area that he's going to need to develop, especially going to Georgia, where yeah, they lose White, they lose Cook, but you know they have Kendall Milton, Kenny McIntosh, both guys that they're expecting to lead the backfield there this year. Um, they bring in Branson Robinson, a five-star this year as well. All of those guys have a similar skill set as Paul. They're all bigger guys. None of them are really a James Cook-esque back where they can just be a receiving back in this backfield. And that would be an easy path to playing time. So he's going to have his work cut out for him to climb the step chart and, and get a role. But Georgia uses multiple backs. So I think he can earn some work there. And, you know, if you're a successful running back at Georgia, if you can earn a role there, you're looking at day two draft capital, you know, Zamir White and James Cook, both getting some NFL buzz. Um, They both may end up going on day two at some point. So, and given his blend of size and speed, yeah, I I could see that out of him. Odds that he doesn't finish his career there. Um, 40, 60. Which side I think 60, I think 60% chance he does finish his career there. Okay. I think it's more likely than not. Okay. Um, but Georgia brings in running back after running back. So I could see that's, it. that's my problem. I think I really liked this kid. I don't, I don't see top five back in the class. Um, like some of us here at C2C have Felix and I talked a little bit about this when he came on uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I had him as, as like, I think, I think he still is. He's like RB 15 or my RB 16 in the class. I, I, I wow. liked him and I liked him a lot more than when he was in the nineties or whatever, a few months ago. Um, I, I don't know. I do think he's, he's pretty dynamic, but I just, the, the landing spot I, and everything, it's just gotten overblown. He's a good player. He's a good player. I don't see elite there personally, but no, I don't have my rankings pulled up in front of him here, but he's he's definitely a top 10 back for me. I think he's probably like around seven-ish. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, you know, like I said, he's already got the NFL size speed and he's not stiff, you know, so. Uh, Dallin Hayden is my guy here tonight, Ohio State. Um, 
he's pretty much my prime candidate this year of guy that I really like to just should never have gone to the school he 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 chose at the end of the day. Um, really good back, but he's not going to play this year above Travion. He's not going to supplant Evan Pryor. He's not going to supplant um, Felix's guy, Mayan Williams. Williams. So, um, you know, that depth chart there is just brutal. They're, they they have another four star signed up for next year. Granted, I don't really like him very much, um, but but they've got another kid coming in like that. It's the kind of place where he's just never going to get that job. And I, I feel bad because I do like him. He's 5'11", 195. Definitely has the frame to get up to like 210 plus, though. Um, out of Memphis, Tennessee, this kid was super, super productive in high school, guys. As a, a junior, nine games, 232 carries, over 2,000 yards, uh, 24 touchdowns. As a senior, 13 games, uh, just under 2,000 yards, uh, uh, 30 touchdowns. So 54 touchdowns and basically 4,000 yards between his last two seasons. Very, very, very productive kid in high school and obviously now off to Ohio State. I think as an athlete, he's good. He's not great. He's not elite. He'll never be an elite athlete, but he's a good athlete. He's got a really nice first step, which I think helps him out a lot. I think he's got a very strong base. He runs through arm tackles very easily. Um, Contact balance is fine. He's a very, very smooth athlete. He's more smooth and sudden, which Again, I kind of like it running back. Uh, it's one of the positions where just smooth is better, in my opinion. He's kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades master of none. So I think that that's really what's going to get him into trouble. I like the long speed. I don't think we we measured him particularly fast, but he's not slow. Um, I, I think his he's got some nice subtle footwork to him. Like He just kind of understands how to play running back, even though he was never blessed with like anything special about him i think he had he does have some special teams value as well probably not at ohio state though if he had gone to i don't know like if he had gone to louisville or something he would probably possess that kind of upside but there's just always going to be a bigger better athlete at ohio state so i don't think he ever even gets that job so like i i'm just down on him like as a as a runner i think he was like my rb10 in the class i really really liked him but I'm going like I've been fading him really hard in the drafts that I've been doing. I'm going to need to revisit where I have him ranked because I just can't rationalize taking him anywhere where I think the path to meaningful playing time there is very difficult. And while the portal does give more opportunities for that nowadays, I just don't like betting on like, well, he'll never play, but he'll transfer and that's fine. Like that's just a really hard guess to make. Not everybody's Corey Kiner who gets to go home into a situation that's perfect and probably step in and get some sort of a rule right away. Like that might not be in the cards for him. He might have to go somewhere like really crappy to, to do that. And does he, can he check his ego enough to do that? I don't know. I don't know the kid. Like, so I just can't rationalize taking him anywhere and fading him really hard. And it's a really big bummer. If he had gone somewhere else, I'd feel a lot better about Dallin Hayden. Yeah. I completely agree with, with all of that there. Um, As a pure runner, I, I think I had him, um, he was right around 15 for me, um, but going to Ohio State, I don't think he's ever going to see the field there. Ohio State's also the type of school that's just going to recruit over him too. So it's not like, oh, well, you know, he can wait until after Travion goes and then he can blow up and have one big year there. I, I just don't ever see it being – I don't ever see him being there for at, at Ohio State uh, long term. Yeah. Um, so he has to transfer. I'm with you. I don't like to bet on players transferring, even though it is a lot easier um, I think one place that might be intriguing is if he does end up transferring and he does have to go maybe a little bit lower than 
what people are hoping for initially. It could be like a Memphis. Like that's a situation where he goes back home. Memphis produces good running backs. I don't know. That could work. I would be intrigued by that. Yeah. So I think that's going to be our show for tonight here, guys. Um, check out the Campus to Canton feed for all of our shows here uh, at Campus to Canton. Chasing the Natty, our CFF show on Mondays. Tuesdays, Campus Life, this show, if you're listening to it. Wednesdays, Debbie Debate. Thursdays, the Hero RB show with Noah Hills. And then Friday, again, you're stuck with us, Canton Bound, and the Future Fredman po- Freshman podcast as well. Dwight, Not this week, though. No more Future Freshman again? Oh, no, 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 no Canton Bound this week. Yeah, yes. sorry. I was giving you that. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's news to me. Um, Dwight's campaign here toward the draft is finally over, the Daily Draft Report. If you want to hear in-depth 10 to 15-minute episodes on any prospect, basically, in this draft that's worth a damn, go check out one of those. It's it's It runs the gamut, offense, defense. Um, it, it knows no bounds. So go check out any of those episodes, different guests each week or each episode. Really, really, really good stuff. We are not doing Canton Bound this week, guys, because of the draft, which takes place on Thursday. We'll be doing some instant reaction stuff in, in the Discord and things like that. So if you're in there and you want to kind of hear our reactions – uh to different things go ahead and, and hang out in there we'll be back next week with campus life until then colin i'm austin and this is colin have a good weekend guys <laughs>